welcome. I am Christy Fadipe and I'm going to be taking you on this very special course and I titled it The Four C's in Food Management. Welcome. So you may be asking yourself, what could the four C's be? For some of you, you're thinking cooking. For some of you, you're thinking catering. Maybe for someone over there is saying curry. Ah, should I shock you? There are things that are common to you. The number one C we'll be talking about is, can you guess? Well, if you got it right, please put your hands together for yourself. The first one is cleanliness. Wow, you're saying that easy? Yes, that easy. Have you ever bought food before and you saw something funny, creepy in the food? Or have you ever been somewhere and a cockroach or even a rat, black rat, comes walking through? Or have you ever been somewhere where you see some black strange objects flying across? Or the restaurant or the waiter serving you is smelly? Cleanliness plays a major role. It's a bedrock for the success of your business. So we're going to be looking at the different ambits of cleanliness and then you'll be asking yourself, do I qualify if you're currently in the business or what will I do to maintain all the standards? Now there's a mantra we use in the food business, it's called clean as you go. Say it after me, clean as you go. Some call it clean as you work, which means as you work, you do cleaning. As you clean, you finish with a section, you clean. So how does this work? If I'm cooking, I would have my napkins, I'll have my um, cleaning buckets, I'll have my cleaning tools, and I'll ensure I have my um, water sink close to me. Now, if you're cooking or you're working in an environment where you don't have the luxury of, of flowing water, where you have to buy water, and you'd have to wait for a particular time to wash or clean, I would advise that you get a big bath or a basin or something when you, as you cook and you prepare your things, you put them in the big bath or the big thing and cover them and move them to the cleaning or washing session. In that way, you prevent flies from coming in. In that way, you prevent roaches from coming in. Nobody wants to walk in an environment that is very dirty. Now, I think I jumped the gun. Before you start anything in the morning, number one rule is that you wash your hands. A lot of us forget that. You wash your hands. Now, if you're coming for a place where you need, now we're talking about personal hygiene now, because personal hygiene is a subset of this cleaning. You wash your hands, you clean yourself up, and you change into your work clothes. Remember, we're not just talking about the cleaning of your environment, but we're talking about you as an individual. So cleaning is broken down into different subsets. The environmental cleaning, the food itself, food hygiene, and the individual himself that is involved. Always encourage your staff or you as an owner, you lead by an example, you wash. If you're a one-man business like some of us are, you wash your hands. You change into your work clothes. Remember, you have dirt that come in with you when you come from outside. So your work clothes should be separated from your cooking clothes. That's why many establishments have what is known as your restaurant clothes. Staff are not generally not encouraged to use their uniforms when they're going out. What second thing that would help you in your environmental cleaning or ensuring your environments are clean 
is a checklist. Design a checklist. I went out with a friend once and she said, the only way you can know that a restaurant is properly organized or a canteen or a booker is to visit the restroom. The state of the restroom will tell you the state of the restaurant. Because if the restroom is very dirty, then every other thing that is coming out is very dirty because it's a room for this entry. So you have a checklist and the checklist will help you always to remember the areas to check. You check your tables, you check your chairs, you check the floor, you check your drainage system, you check that it's flowing, you check your staff restroom, you check. So we've talked about clean, clean as you go. We've talked about washing your hands. We've talked about your checklist. And another one that is very common, not only in this part, but generally is pest control. Now, standard is every three months you deratize because you can be doing all the cleaning you want to do as a business owner. What of your neighbors? Are they doing the same thing? So you must do some form of decontamination and deratting. And standard is done three months. There are establishments that go around helping people do this. But if you can't afford, then you can Google and find what best thing will work for you. So, before I move on, I will ask you, which is the most important part when it comes to cleaning? The front of house or the back of house? Some people will say the front of house. And where do we call the front of house? If you're running an establishment, like a food place, is where your customers can see. And the back of house is where your customers cannot see. Should I shock you? Both of them are important. Because what comes out from the back affects what's in the front. So while we clean the front of house, where the customers can see, maybe yours is just a tabletop. Ensure that the back of house is clean. Now, maybe you don't even run an establishment like a restaurant. You do takeaways. Make sure you sterilize. You wash your takeaway containers. You wash your delivery pots or whatever you're using for delivery. That everything that goes in and comes out is very clean. Now we're going to move to the next. If you have any question, please, you can drop a chat. You can drop something and I'll be very glad to answer it. But cleaning is the first C. Nobody ever goes to a place to eat food prepared out of a dirty place. Now, what's the second C? Mm, guess, 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 guess. Customer service. Yes. Now, good food would become a way people would describe you. I serve good food. If you go to Christie's restaurant, good food is being served. But let me tell you what will differentiate you customer service yes it's a differentiating factor so if there are four of us cooking running canteens or doing delivery what would differentiate me and all of us are serving good food all of us use the same recipe what would differentiate you from the next person it's customer service and that's why i call this particular c the differentiating factor now let me use something very simple to describe customer service for you. It is everything we do. It's the extra steps we take to help the customer without being asked. It's the little pecs you put in, the extra smile you do, the extra thing you put into the packaging, the extra thank you, the extra help you render to that customer without being asked. Now, customer service gets you what you can never, you cannot quantify. It's called the goodwill. 
and goodwill cannot be quantified. There are some of you listening to me. There are people you patronize, not necessarily because they are cheaper, but because you've bonded, they've been there for you, and they render good service. Now, there are two components of this customer service, attitude and skill. Some people have skill, but they do not have the right attitude. Some have the right attitude, but lack the skill. So, let's do an attitude checklist. Do you like helping people? Do you generally like caring for people? Are you fair and do you give equal treatment to everyone? Do you understand people with special needs? Now, in recruiting people, if you have to recruit people to help with your service line, those are the questions you would ask people. So if I'm recruiting someone to assist me in the area of service, I will generally look at the attitude with which she comports herself. Is she helpful? Would she sit if she saw somebody standing and would she create allowance? So attitude becomes very important. You could have people that have general skills but lack the attitude. So general skills are they have good command of English, they can communicate well, well they can manage to smile but they lack the attitude. There's nothing as exciting when you go into a place and you feel like a king or in my own case you feel like a queen and people make you feel special and they open the door for you or they're delivering your meal to you and they do the extra thing and they tell you enjoy your meal now those ones are skills you can acquire so as I'm talking to you have you noticed that I'm smiling now I'm not just doing it because um, someone has a gun at my head. I'm doing it because it's a part of me. I understand I'm rendering service. And if I'm rendering service, I need to be positive. My body language has to be positive. The same thing when you serve. Yes, we understand that cooking is hard work. So maybe you're a one-man person. You've just started this business. And you've cooked. And you've cooked. And it's time to serve the people. And they expect you to smile. Yes, we expect you to smile. That is why we say, first of all, is an attitude thing. You must be excited about people. For you to succeed in this business, it's not just about the cooking. It's a combination of a lot of things. So you must smile. You must know how to do eye contact. I have a fantastic worker. She has beautiful smiles, but she never looks at your eye. And I'm always wondering, look at me. She's shy. So you're wondering, how would this person engage me? So it's very important. You must learn to do eye contact. And there's something called the body language. Body language is almost like 80% of every communication we make. So I can say, please sit down. And my body language is unfriendly. I can say, I hope you enjoy your meal. And you might just want to say, I hope you enjoy your meal. And there's no smile. You better not answer that question, you know, if you're the person. Because if you have anything to say that is not, yes, I enjoyed my meal, the person is going to shoot you. And then there's also the communication aspect. And communication is not just about words or how you write. The tone of your voice. When you pick up a call or you're calling your friend and she's smiling, how do you know? You can tell it from the tone of the voice. Or when you're talking to your friend and she's sad, how do you know? You can tell it from the tone of your voice. It's all. So you must train your people. But first of all, you train yourself. Now, there are simple communication courses you can go for. Or you watch people that you enjoy talking. Or you watch me. I'm doing a good job of it. Even if you, you may not all agree. 
smiling, your voice must be positive, you must pronounce your words well. So I'm taking an order. So let's do this together. Somebody comes into my restaurant. And let me tell you, communication doesn't require big grammar. Keep it simple. Good morning. Welcome to Christie's restaurant. Please sit down. How can I help you? Or maybe you're taking a phone order. Good morning. This is Christie speaking. What would you like us to offer you today? And at the end of every conversation, if it's a telephone conversation, you say thank you. Thanks for choosing. Thank you for choosing Christie's um, restaurant. Hope to have you once again. Can we all do that together? Good morning, sir. And remember, every customer is a sir or ma. We're not looking at the size of the tummy. We're not looking at the size of the car. Like tomorrow, I could come in to your restaurant driving a big jeep. And another day, I decide to take a walk and wear a quarter shorts. And you think, this one that came in without a car is less important. And I could be the one with the big box. So every customer that walks into you is a sir and ma. And remember, always remember, the customer is king. In fact, some people say the customer is queen because queens are a bit more delicate. Whatever works for you, remember, cleanliness is foundation. Customer service is the differentiating factor. Now, the third C. The third C I have called controls. Say it after me. Controls. And this is where some of the techie part comes in. And I say, this is the co-co. If you're not in Nigeria or Lagos, you may not know what cocoa means. But this is important. I have statistics. I've read statistics that say that food businesses, 75% of them don't survive. And the statistics go on. Maybe when I go to the 40, I'll drill down on those statistics. I want your own statistics to be different. I want you to be I want you to be among the 25% that succeed. Now, what are controls? Controls are those things you put in place. All the processes you put in place to ensure that you have a proper overview of your business. Now, there are different aspects of this business. You can be just baking. Maybe you are just a baker doing cake or you're just doing beans and um, bread, or your own recipe is a full restaurant, or maybe what you do is packaged food, you must have control mechanisms. Now, what are the control mechanisms? Remember you buy stuff. Remember you store things. Remember you portion. Remember you also do pricing. So if I'm going to do control, one, one thing you should know is Identify all the processes that are in your business. What are the processes? I've mentioned a couple. There's buying. There's how you store. There's how you portion. There's how you deliver if you're delivering business. There's how you serve. So, what is your buying process and what is the control? Maybe your own buying process is I go to the market. I buy things by myself. How do you buy? Who do you buy from? How do you ensure consistency in what you're buying? So, for some of us that like to haggle meat, today you go. This 20 kg meat is um, 50,000 naira. The next day you go, the same 20 kg meat is 100,000. That's lack of control. How do you plan? Because what control does for you 
it helps you plan your business. It helps you at the end of the day, say to yourself, if I do this amount, I would get approximately this amount. So if you're buying meat, so I'm using meat as an example, 20 kg today is 50,000, the next day is 100,000, how do you plan? How do you know what you're making out of it? So you must ask yourself, am I going to have three or four meat suppliers I go to and for every 20 kg I buy, I don't want to exceed 50,000. We understand that the market prices fluctuate, so you must have like room offers for your pricing. So that's just meat. What of rice? What of tomatoes? What of pepper? What of flour? What of sugar? So how do you want to buy? Or do I want it supplied to me? Because there's also the transportation factor. So maybe for my beef, rather than go to the market, incur expense, do transportation, and then I use three hours. Because one of the things we don't put a price on or we don't put a peg on is the time that we spend. So I use 10 hours in the market. By the time I come back, I can't focus properly. So rather than do that, I might decide, you know what, for better accountability, to allow me to focus on my cost skill, I would like my people to come to me and deliver to me. And I'm ready to pay 500 naira extra or 1,000. It won't kill my costing. So that's control for you. So you must have a parameter by which you monitor. And I'm just talking about an aspect of control, buying. So how do I buy all my raw materials? How do I ensure that they are within the same range and I'm not losing it? Now, when I buy my raw materials, how do I keep them? And how often do I want to use them? How often do I want to go to the market? And how does this impact? So let's say I'm, I'm, I run a business every day. Every day I go to the market. How does every day going to the market impact on my production? How does every day going to the market impact on my quality? How does every day going to the market impact on the entire operation? So you have to ask yourself those questions. How does it impact on the margin, the bottom line at the end of the day? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I go to market every day because I've been told that if I don't go to market every day, the beef will not be okay. How is that impacting on the margin? So ask yourself that question. Now, if you're not going to market every day, even if you're going to the market every day, how do you store? Storage is a process. Storage must have controls. Now, there are three basic types of storage facility in every restaurant. Okay, I'll give you 10 seconds to guess. One, two, three, four, ten seconds over. You have the frozen storage facility, you have the cold room storage facility, and you have what we call the ambient storage facility. Now, for frozen items, if you're doing fries, if you're doing things in the area of dairy, and you have frozen ice cream, frozen yogurt, you need to have so. Example of frozen storage facility are maybe walk-in freezers, or you have your normal you know, um, chest freezer, where you store frozen items. That's a form of control in itself. Now, then you also have your um, working cold room or you have your refrigerator. Those ones that are used for your vegetables, they are used for things that you're ready to cook, that you, you're not keeping for a long time and you have your ambience. When you buy things in, 
you need to break the bulk. Say it after me. You need to break the bulk. So I buy 50 kg rice. And I am going to cook. I don't need to cook more than a certain quantity. How do I ensure that my people are not just cooking anyhow? How do I ensure that you need to break the bulk? Now, I've talked about buying. Either you break them into 5, 5 kg, or for some of you that use Derica, you break them into 10, 10 Derica, or for some of you that use Modu, you broke the, break them into 10, 10 Modu, whatever. It depends on your frequency of cooking. I know a restaurant, anytime, and they do tons of bags of rice. Anytime bags rice comes in, they break them into 2, 2 kg. Because the least recipe, the smallest recipe, caters for two two. Some break them into five five kg. In that way, every time somebody goes in, they are not scooping. Remember, we all have relative ways of packing things. Some person's derica is like this. Some other person's derica is small. To ensure consistency, you break the ball. The same thing with beef. You could decide, you know what? When I buy my beef. I want it cut for me in a particular size and I'll pack them in 2020s, 3030s. Every time I pick a bag, I'm picking a bag of 30, I'm picking a bag of 20. In that way, you can monitor. Remember, I said control gives you an overview of your business. So if I'm taking stock at the end of the day, I count three bags left. I started with 20 bags, I have three bags left. Do the maths. It means 17 bags have been used. And if I pack them 20, 20, it means 17 times 20 pieces of meat have been used. And we sold all together. Can we do the maths together? 340 pieces of beef. And then you would ask, you will now begin to track accountability. It goes, the same thing goes for all your raw materials. So there's the buying control, there's the storage control, and then there's the requisition control. How do you portion? I've talked about portion, but portioning doesn't just end at the point of raw material. It also ends at the point of service. So how much should, how much quantity of rice should I be serving for 250? What's the quantity of rice I should be serving for 500? So it doesn't mean that when um, my best friend comes, I give her plenty portion because I like her. And then when I see a thin man, I give him tiny. So what of if that day, everybody that came to eat is my best friend? It means we are going to be dashing out rice. There must be portioning. So what are the things you need to ensure proper control? There are portion cups. When you go to the market, there are different measuring cups. You have one liter measuring cups. You have 250 mils, 500 mils. There are different measuring cups. You have scoops. Nowadays, there are scoops for you. You have weighing scale, you used to weigh your meat. You might decide, I want to do things in cages. Most of our recipes come in cages. And need I forget, controls help you to plan your recipe. You must do recipe. Without a recipe, you can't do control. So if you're going to go into this business, please have a standard recipe. So in case you're not around, anybody can follow your recipe. So for 2 kg rice, I use um, 200 mils of oil. I use 2 pieces of maggie. I use this and that and that. And your food stays consistent. So apart from giving you an overview of your business, controls help you to stay consistent. And the last thing I'll tell you under control, please have a calculator if you can. Please, it does help when you're planning. And we are entering the last C. On this one, 
<laughs> if you don't get this one right, eh, eh, you'll fall into the statistics. I'm going to read something I read somewhere, you know, so bear with me. Most people start a food business because they have the passion for food. And I'm sure most of you are here. You can cook, you can cook. When you cook, everybody says, wow. And they have great recipes. They love food. They have some very special recipes that when they share with their friends and family, everybody says, this food is so good. The whole world should be trying this with you. So they now decide, wow, I think I should start a restaurant. Or wow, I think I should start an eatery. Or wow, I think I should um, do run into a delivery service. Mm, that's good. That's good passion. But let me read these statistics. Like I said to you, a lot of you won't be in these statistics. They say, no, it's not my statistics. People have done research and say 21.5% uh, of food businesses fail in the first year. By the second year, 30, it increases to 30%. By the fifth year, it becomes 50%. <laughs> and then after the fifth year, you have about 70% failing. Now, do you want to be a part of that statistics? So the third C we're talking about is costing. Say it after me, costing. Shortly before I started my session, we were talking about overhead, higher overhead, how businesses have debts that are running into millions and their current um, revenue cannot cover it. There's nothing that kills like that, costing. Now, I started by talking about cleanliness. I talked about customer service, your differentiating factor. I talked about control, that is the co-co. Yes, now, when we put in control, we now can plan our costing. Now, you have two major headings in costing. You have the fixed and the variable costs. Fixed costs are things that don't change. Whether you sell or you don't sell, they don't change. Your rent does not change. Even if you're, you booked a small space like this, you're paying rent. That will not change. If you like, don't make money. Landlord, end of the month, will still come and arrest you. There are things government takes from you. They charge you money for certain things. If you like, sell or not sell, landlord will come and collect money from you. And then there are things that change. Raw material costs. They are variable costs. Sometimes salaries are variable costs, depending. If you hire two people, Today, you pay the price of two people. If you hire one person, you pay. So you must put all these cost parameters into factor. Number one, in planning costing, you must have a recipe, a standard recipe, and it mustn't change. And in planning your recipe, you must understand who am I addressing? Am I the high end, middle end, or lower end? And does all this cost parameter, can it be taken care by my costing? Now, the first thing you look out for in costing, when you're doing your costing, is your gross profit. So if I remove the cost of raw material, what do I have left? Please, if you're doing this business, appropriate a salary for yourself. A lot of us don't appropriate salaries for ourselves. We just spend the money anyhow. I want to buy this, you take. I want to buy that, you take. If you're doing that, you're going to run into business. So remember, there are two categories of costs. Fixed and variable. Appropriate cost to everything. And at the end of the day, see what is left at the bottom line. Well, there's another cost going to come up bookkeeping. I would encourage you to listen attentively. In the bookkeeping session, then this will be broken down. Let's wrap it up again. Forces. Number one, cleanliness. Number two, customer service. Number three, controls. And the fourth one, costing. See you next time. Thank you for joining me. Bye-bye.